Welcome to the Future Print Podcast, celebrating print technology and the people behind it. Uh, welcome to the next edition of the Future Print Podcast. Very really happy to have with me. Um, it's Dr. Simon Daplin, isn't it, officially? Although you don't uh, introduce yourself yes, like that. I don't use it very officially, yes. <laughs> no, but you're you a Dr. Simon Daplin um, from Sun Chemical. Um, thanks for joining us today, Simon. And, um, you know, as as as, as always, um, you know, useful to connect with you. And, you know, you've always had and have a very sort of interesting perspective on the development of, of, of inkjet and so on in various industries. Um, obviously, today it's an opportunity to talk to you a bit about Cambridge, you obviously did a really good talk at Cambridge, but also just have a little bit towards the end of the year, have a look ahead um, for next year. Um, I've kind of semi-introduced you anyway, but tell us a bit about yourself before you we we have a chat about the, the, the other content we'd like to cover, because you have had a, a I'd say, well, I don't want to say long, but a, yeah, a pretty extensive career in Inkjet. Is that fair to say? Uh, it, it is. Thank you for the introduction. Yeah, no, it's been... Um... If it feels long, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing sometimes, but no, I've been I've been in and around the, the subject area for a long time, actually from university. So yes, I, I have a PhD and I'm technically a doctor. I, I tend not to use <laughs> it because it's a technical one and I'm not so involved in all the technical stuff anymore. But, but you studied in Leeds, Leeds, right? In, Which is in, an in inkjet centre. In an inkjet thing. Yeah. And, my, I, and, my, and my PhD was actually on inkjet printing. So from from kind of, I guess... The age of twenty-one, I've been I've been involved in it so more than mm. twenty years now. Mm. Um, so yes, starting from there, working working in the labs on on technical projects, and then yeah, started my started my career at a, a little startup company in Newcastle. So learned learned my trade there. Really, being in a startup, it's it's very much hands to the pump. Everybody does everything, so you've got a bit of a grounding in technical, but also operations, logistics, commercial side of things. Um, and then I was I was lucky enough to join Xenia in 2008. Yeah. So that was the real start of my more industrial side of, of my inkjet experience. Um, and yeah, fr- from there, I've stayed in the same place, but in three different companies due to a couple of acquisitions. So it's uh, it's been a pretty dynamic uh, time for sure. And, and and for those that may not have heard of Xenia, Xenia obviously were at the forefront of developing a, a inkjet into new markets, ceramics, or being one, textiles, and other. So yeah, explain a bit about Xenia. So when, when I started there, I went in as a project lead to work on what their core business was at the time, which was con- contract R and D. So a mm. lot of the brands or people that were just starting an inkjet or thinking about how it could benefit their business would come to Xenia and say, "Look, we we don't really have the bandwidth to." look at this in detail but could you do a, a feasibility study we'd like to print uh and and it was very varied from ceramics so we did we did a lot of the pioneering work in ceramics both on the the ink side and, and some of the ink delivery systems but there were things like printing uh for biosensors in biomedical applications we had a project even where we printed dna through to printed electronics and then other more conventional stuff like graphics and textile printing so it gave a really varied kind of introduction to the industry for a lot of people and and i think you'll see throughout the cambridge cluster there's a lot of people that had their grounding in xenia that um mm. that are now quite well established within the industry yeah yeah and um yeah that's right and and, and obviously then xenia were acquired by sensing is that right um, yes yeah, so- <clears throat> So the Xenia was acquired by Sensient. Yeah, yeah. So Xenia was acquired by Sensient 
uh, imaging technologies in, I want to say, 2016, 2015 or 2016. Mm. And, and that was that was a focus change because Zenny was was really a, a solutions provider. Uh, we'd established a very strong business in digital textile, particularly on the ink side, um, but still were involved in bespoke systems, ceramic um, ceramic system components and stuff like that. But when when Sentient bought the business, it was really to focus on the textile area. They had a, a very successful um, sublimation business and they wanted to complement it with some of the technology. So it, it became very much a, a chemistry and, a, and, and an inks focused business from, from that point. Um, and that, that business grew and we grew together with, with Sentient. Um, there were some up and down times for sure in terms of the market, um, but it was really so focused on textile that we were quite vulnerable to market forces in, in that area. Um, and then yeah, in the, in July of 2020, that business was then sold to Sun Chemical, which is, which is where I am today. And obviously Sun being one of the leading in ink providers, we, we were kind of a very complementary fit. We had a lot of expertise in aqueous and water-based, particularly on textile, complementing Sun's vast experience in digital, uh, in UV especially. So it was a nice fit of the two businesses, and, and now we're, we're amalgamating very much to have a, a single digital group that really works to understand and, and provide solutions not just not just chemistry and ink but um coatings um and and application support for the adoption of of inkjet on a more industrial scale across pretty much every application you can think of yeah pretty much any application you can think of is a nice segue into the talk you gave in cambridge which was unique in its own right nobody else covered it Tell us a bit about the theme of that talk and how that how that's come about and how that's developing. That would be really interesting to go straight into the in, into sure. that area. Mm. Mm. So, so we did, we decided to talk in Cambridge. I mean, very much the the focus of the event is is on the adoption of inkjet into manufacturing processes. Mm. Right. Mm. Mm -hmm. One thing that we're very lucky in Sun Chemical in a lot of ways is that we have a long grounding in analog technology and solutions in analog, particularly in the packaging area. So we've been well established in in that market for some time, and what that uh, also allows us to do is to kind of look at ways that we can collaborate with with internal partners uh, as well as external to maximise the benefit and the impact short term that inkjet can have. And so, mm. so in Cambridge, we were looking at the concepts of printing for direct food contact, um, and mm. within that, we we see that as a two prong meaning in a way so that there's two ways you consider direct food contact for us one is specifically printing on the food stuff itself so there we we're talking about fully edible inks that can be printed onto onto a cookie onto a cake onto onto baked goods confectionery um to provide brand identity logo that kind of thing um but has to be obviously extremely well regulated uh, and then on the other side, there's the direct food contact packaging side of things. So where the packaging itself or the print on the packaging is is in direct contact with the food. So that could be, you know, the offers that you see on the inside of a chocolate bar sometimes with, you know, competition kind of things through to track and trace barcodes that they sometimes put inside the packaging. So they don't necessarily see it from the outside, but they want that for brand protection and security through to other things like, uh, you know, disposable or recyclable cutlery cups that kind of thing where the print is coming into contact with uh with your mouth essentially or, or some part of your skin in which case the the food or the 
person contact becomes quite a critical consideration. Um, so we were talking about that and maybe the, the opportunity to combine the technology of that exists for printing onto food and looking at it in some parallel areas like packaging, where you could combine it with existing analog coatings, overprint varnishes, primers that are already um, fully certified for food contact packaging. Uh, and, th- and then you have kind of a nice or the potential to have a nice solution where the ink is already certified as edible plus certified coatings. So you're not necessarily chasing a dream. It's it's stuff that exists when used in combination could provide quite a powerful solution for, for the industry. Yeah, so it's really interesting. It's kind of new territory and equally um, a breakthrough moment potentially as well, isn't it? With the, with, with the Because I know that's something that's always been a challenge when you're having close to food and it needs to be very legally compliant and obviously very health compliant and and if you're able to 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 use you know the non-contact value i guess of of inkjet on actually directly onto food that's certainly something you can't do with analog i'm pretty certain is that right or can you there's there's some so you will find like some hard hard coat confectionery stuff is Mm. done with pad printing to a to some extent but yeah relatively simple and monocolor mm. um so where where inkjet has the benefit is obviously we can we can start to print um full color imagery in a non-contact way on very kind of fragile um substances not not dissimilar weirdly to ceramic tile in a way it's it's a very uh mm. fragile process that the contact causes a lot of breakages through analog process and um, you can imagine a cookie or or baked goods in in some way are equally as fragile and so having that non-contact process but being able to apply design branding um, allowing product differentiation uh and and we we saw a quite a nice uptick just before the pandemic where people were really starting to look at extending that bespoke packaging idea where you could have clear branding or you know the the share a coke thing but that extended across other areas of packaging and brands were starting to look at doing that on the items within the packaging as well to extend that personalization a step further. It kind of seemed to get put on hold a little bit during the pandemic. Obviously, there were there were other priorities for, for most companies, but it seems to be in the last kind of six to 12 months really picking up again in terms of the interest there. And then obviously that's a hugely regulated um, area with lots of complex things to look at. So we're very blessed in Sun Chemical to have a very strong kind of regulatory department that can look into all these things so that we know that what we're what we're doing are the right things in terms of the production the materials that we're using and then working with our customers to make sure that they're working within the guidelines of the country that they're producing in to make sure that that it's compliant with the food regulations where where the product will be sold so from that point of view it's it's kind of a it's not unique but it's a it's a very specialist application with a lot of expertise needed and then to try and extend that into the field of the packaging itself uh, where there's lots of um, similar considerations in terms of compliance and regulatory aspects and differences between different parts of the world of what's acceptable or not um, that that then uh, starts to starts to open up the scope of what's possible yeah and and you're saying it's starting to open up so actually it's the barriers are starting to come down because like you say the regulatory barriers but also the the technologies can work in that space now and you've got the chemistry and all of that um what phase what stage are you are you kind of is anybody really deploying this yet or is it very much in sort of beta kind of early phase 
pre-market kind of stage? It, it's 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 relatively early, so it de- it depends on which aspect of of packaging. So if if you talked about primary food punk food contact, which is more the outside of the packaging holding something, so on the outside of a pouch or or, or a bag that that's holding food, there there we're fairly advanced. We have a number of solutions. We're working with many partners, and there really the considerations are. You know the EU laws, um, Nestle list, and Swiss ordinance, and things like that. So that that's those are fairly common standards that that people are quite used to working within. That's all to do with the limits of what materials could ever get into the food, what the migration um, of the ink on the surface through the through the barrier material into the food might be, or ideally not be. Um, and so there's there's a huge amount of development that's gone into that. I think you will see a lot of solutions over the next kind of year to 18 months, not just from us, for, but from a for a number of providers looking at flexible packaging and, and the 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 boom that we're all preempting in in packaging with, with digital print. But taking that step further and putting it inside the pack is quite complex and quite a lot of different areas. So it could be uh, a single ply. Um, flexible packaging for a candy bar, for example, could be something like a yogurt pot or things like that, where they want to print something on the inside of the pot, but that's a that's that's a liquid. So there, the barrier coating is as critical as as the as the ink is in terms of the inks delivering the message. But then you have to protect it from the the liquid effectively that's that's inside the pouch. And what we're finding is we're we're engaged in a number of projects, but they're so varied. In what the deliverables need to be, we're, we're we're working closely with our coatings teams to really allow us to deliver a solution um, to the customer. And and I think what where we're lucky with the coatings is they will allow a faster adoption of inkjet. I'm sure in the future people will want to talk about single shot solutions where it's it's ink alone and it's fully compliant and it doesn't have any issues with water resistance and and uh, contamination of the product. But to be able to do it now because we've got multifaceted approaches in terms of the kind of solutions that we're able to have is is really uh, is, is a nice thing. And I think a lot of the brands and the print providers that we're working with understand that we can work with them on a step-by-step basis to get them into digital, to make it successful, and then move to the next step and the next step after that to really tune the technology to to get the maximum performance that we can. Yeah, and I guess it's a matter of convincing and assuaging concerns on a technical level, one, but then also educating the, the promotional teams from brands as well that these things are possible. I guess I guess they're they're both difficult to reach, but to convince. But I would imagine the technical one is the very rigorous sort of thing, and then marketing people tend to be fairly open to ideas, don't they? They they are, but there are there are fairly significant challenges in both so mm. from, from if i if i address the technical one obviously there's lots of technical challenges lots of things that are critically important in terms of the selecting the right materials producing inks under the right conditions so that they're compliant um you have to you have to manufacture for food contact and food uh direct food printing you have to man uh Manufacture under GMP and under very specific conditions in the U- US, it has to be under FDA uh, audited facilities and stuff like that. So it's not just about what's in the ink; it's about how you produce it. But gone are the days where we can just sell an ink and and hope it works. There's a lot of work that goes in the 
in the pre-press, in the in the application understanding, so that we can support the customer through and not just talk about the chemistry solution that we've got and uh, let them fend for themselves. Um, but from from the other side of it, when working with with the marketing teams within brands, number one, they're, they're really hard to find the right people that understand the concept. It's it's educating them about what digital can do. Um, everybody everybody knows what digital printing is because everybody pretty much has a home office printer or a printer in the office that you know they so they understand the concept of it but applying that into a different area that may be outside of their their kind of thought processes is a challenge but then they have so many ideas and only certain ones will ever be taken forward in terms of what they're going to take to market so you just have to be patient a lot of the brands have uh, unbelievably strong marketing teams but they have concepts to print on this or this or this or maybe they're working on a, a different way of presenting the product in the market and you can get a couple of years into a project and they just say no we're not gonna we're not gonna take that forward anymore which which can be can be a setback but there's a lot of learning in that process which is why we continue to do it so that the next time it comes along we can shorten that time to development that time to adoption and uh, really deliver something that's of value to them um, to deliver what what marketing messaging they're they're trying to do, and if somebody's listening to this and they're kind of going, ah, this is this is what we've been looking for, or you know, this is what we've been hoping for, or this has given me an idea. How would they go about con- contacting you? Uh, I, I mean, we, we have various various uh, ways. I mean, we're 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 heavily involved, obviously, with FuturePrint now. We we think that's a great way of of reaching mm. the audience with that. Uh, obviously, we have a website with with you know the usual contact forms and everyone everyone has an email address i think what where it can be tricky with sun chemical and and a number of ink companies is we don't just have a standard portfolio of products that you just that exists so let's let we can buy that ink or we can buy that ink from them Mm. what we tend to do with these bigger projects is is our, our focus is on working with oems so that we provide a solution for the customer um and more often than not that involves us developing something specific for the customer and the application so we try and get in on the on the ground level to understand what technology is right for them whether it's a, a water-based ink a uv a solvent an oil-based i mean we're we're pretty pretty accustomed to every kind of technology you can imagine from that side of things um but really understanding what they're trying to do and what it means from a production environment as well because we can't just say oh, the ink, the ink is compliant, but then if the ink doesn't dry or it doesn't have the right adhesion on the substrate, it's also useless. So mm. it's it's about really sitting with the customer at as early in a stage as possible, working with the printhead manufacturers, with the ink delivery um, system guys, with with the with the OEMs. The ultimately, they're they're the door into a lot of these applications for us because whether whether we like it or not. Most people will go to the hardware first because it's the big ticket item. It's it's the machine that you're going to buy. It's what everybody's going to see in the factory and, and has to work. So the more we're involved in those collaboration projects, that's that's what it happens. So people come to us directly. They come to us through OEM partners. They go to printhead manufacturers and ask for a recommendation for a specific area. And hopefully we're well placed to um, be able to have those conversations at each of those levels so that so that we're easy easy to find without having a really obvious product portfolio that you can just say, oh, yeah, they've got this ink for this and this ink for this and this ink for this, because that's that's not really how Sun Chemical works in, in the packaging scope of things. There are other areas within the digital business where that is the case, but for, for the majority of the 
that solution kind of business, then yeah, we're we're more likely than not to create something fairly custom. Yeah, yeah. You're not magicians, but you're close to it. But you're not magicians. You've got a, 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 anticipating every ink formula under the sun, ready to pardon the pun, um, ready to go, because actually, right at the beginning, you need to engage chemistry, don't you, uh, with a new with a new application area. And like I think you said before, it's often retro creating ink after the machine has been developed and the idea has been developed is is the wrong way around i think which makes that's sense a, that's to the me, hardest but... one to do mm-hmm. it is possible but it's much harder to try and design mm-hmm. an fit uh, a system or a process that already exists in in something that's non-standard mm-hmm. if it's just a standard graphics printer that's using a uv ink and you just want to put a different ink on that's relatively straightforward but if you're Mm. talking about a regulated industry where you're building a machine Mm. to print on say flexible packaging and you've got specific uh regulatory needs you've got a machine footprint with a specific drying requirement and stuff like that the more we know about that early on or we can talk to the partners obviously different print heads have completely different requirements of how the how the fluid works within the head how you deliver it um temperatures all these kind of things that is just easier to know up front um, so that we can shorten that time for everybody to get to market. Um, and, mm. and a lot of the discussion we've had in the last two years through many of the structured kind of events of, uh, of FuturePrint have all been around collaboration, right? Because that really is going to be the key to uh, to driving the business forward and, and shortening that time to adoption for, for some of the users. Yeah, really critical. Yeah. Well, this is really a fascinating area and uh, yeah, I'm excited to see how that develops. And um, I'm sure once the wheels start moving and the, and and people start kind of like learning like you say learning about these things it's it, it will start to take off i can see it being a and often and sometimes these go in directions that you perhaps don't anticipate right there's something that people see an area that you're like wow that's really cool we'll use it for that and you're like i haven't thought of that but go ahead let's d- develop it so yeah it's it's developmental isn't it so that what you're saying is engage you in that discussion but let's sit down and work out how it can really really work um rather than it's not transactional, it's much more collaborative, which which makes a lot of sense. And if you're in science, obviously you presented in November and you're somebody I know that sort of thinks is a thinker as well as a, a doer and so on, in terms of observationally and just sort of looking at the year as we've kind of got through to be nearly the end of 2023, looking into next year, how how's it fared from your perspective? And, you know, has it been a, what kind of a year has it been and what do you expect next year? It, 2023 has been a very strange year to kind of sum up, to be honest, because uh, we have we have different routes to market with different products and different approaches. We have some direct to market business as well as the OEM solutions business and um, geopolitical events and, and stuff. It, it's kind of been a domino effect from from the pandemic onwards. There's been a major event. It feels like mm. almost every six months that's had a had a knock on effect on the market. Um, and I think the industry as a whole is probably at a similar level to what it was in 2019, which is kind of, you can't really get your head around. We had such a growth curve and, and it's kind of been stagnant um, with with exceptions and up, ups and downs, obviously, but we we kind of see 2024 coming as the, the emergence from that kind of stagnation. And I think you'll start to see growth again. Um, I don't like to say because of Drupal, obviously Drupal is a very big event on the on the print calendar 
But I think more and more people have just been getting on with stuff and are ready to launch new things, Drupal or not. Um, and so that's that's exciting. I think we've all been working hard on trying to maintain the business, but also to grow and be innovative and, and try and look at new ways of, of winning business. But to do that, you want to grow the market that you're working in, right? It's not just about um, addressing systems that already exist. It's about working with other people to to bring new technology to the market. So I think that from that side, I think there's there's quite a good feeling throughout the industry from from the people I spoke to in Cambridge and and, and internally at Sun Chemical that we'll start to see uh, growth again um, and some exciting projects that that maybe have been in and around the background. People have been discussing a lot about the packaging opportunity, right? And I think 2024 will see, see the start of that really starting to come to fruition and there's other exciting areas within the within the business that i think you'll start to see some new technology the innovation obviously we're all keeping an eye on ai and the impact that that could have on the industry and how we can harness that to to everyone's benefit um but i I think there's grounds for optimism it's been it's been tough but i think there's there's real signs that moving into the new year will we'll all see an uptick in in, in the way the industry is moving and the adoption of, of digital as a, as a serious um, consideration in a number of application areas, not just the, the kind of established areas of, of, of ceramic uh, textile graphics printing. I think you'll see adoption much more widely than that. And cool. So it could almost be a watershed year, which sounds really optimistic in terms of just starting to move things forward as i think like you've just said it's been one mini kind of crisis after another off off the back of covid that has actually mini is not even the right word is it it's been a significant crisis each time um so hopefully that um will have a less defining impact on on development going forward i really appreciate you joining us today and um looking forward to your next talk i think probably in valencia in yeah no we, we're, we're signed on for for 2024 which is great news for us yeah. and- yeah, we're really looking forward to to the year ahead with FuturePrint as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it'd be. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. So you've got a lot, a lot of innovative work that you are doing and continue to do and develop as a as an ink business, but also as a team of innovators. So I'm really looking forward to learning more about that as the year pans out. So thanks very much for joining us, Simon. It's a pleasure. Thank you, Marcus. Really enjoyed it. Cheers. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, you can subscribe now for more great audio content coming up, and visit futureprint.tech for the latest news, partner interviews, in-depth industry research, and to catch up on content from FuturePrint events. We'll see you next time on the FuturePrint podcast.